FFA has a long history, and a lot of people know what began in 1928, but they may not know the history behind how the emblem came to be, uh, what other organizations were looked at when the emblem was designed by the founders of the FFA, and then what those symbols really mean that are on there. Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Al Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers. All right, Jim Connors, welcome to Al Pellets. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> That's right. You know, like I said, we were just joking. Here. I'm, t- I'm coming to you from the future, Jim. I'm three hours ahead of you guys out there in Idaho. It's fantastic. Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, please. Okay. Um, I'm the Department Head of Agricultural and Extension Education here at the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. I've worked in ag- agriculture education since the 1980s. Started out as a high school agriculture teacher for five years in rural Michigan. Um, my degrees are from Michigan State University. I've moved around, worked at University of Arizona, Idaho, Ohio State University, and now back here for the last 12 years as department head in, at the University of Idaho. Fantastic. And as we were talking there, I am super stoked about this conversation. I'm also equally as excited that it's just Mike Ritalik joining me on this one that unfortunately Kate and Marshall can't because they would they give me a hard time all the time Jim about how much I love history and how important it is so this is just a conversation where people who who really respect and, and admire and appreciate the finer things of life can really just talk and the riffraff has been cut away so we're gonna get the geek out today <laughs> <laughs> So, so Jim, kind of summarize for us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. We're going to look at the symbolism of the FFA emblem today. FFA has a long history, and a lot of people know what began in 1928, but they may not know the history behind how the emblem came to be, uh, what other organizations were looked at when the emblem was designed by the founders of the FFA, and then what those symbols really mean that are on there. Well, I, I think this is fantastic, and, and I really hope with teachers they get into this because I think it's important that we teach the history of this kind of organization. It's more than just answer your answers on Quiz Bowl. They're really looking about why they got what, what they did here. So as you were digging into this stuff, looking at the emblem, what was some of the big stuff that you really saw that, that you really want to make sure people, people know about? Well, the founders of the FFA really took a look at other organizations, and, and they selected components of the emblem that really had meaning. And some meanings go back thousands and thousands of years. So they just didn't, didn't, they didn't just put a lot of things together. They looked at other organizations. Um, obviously everyone knows FFA was founded in 1928. The emblem came to be a few years later and it was finally refined. But the, when they were doing the emblem, they really took a look, first of all, at the Future Farmers of Virginia that was started a couple years before the FFA was founded. And then that emblem was actually taken from an emblem from a Denmark agriculture organization. And each of them were slightly different, but they all had very similar components on them that had very traditional meaning for an agricultural organization. 
So what was, was there any kind of that connection between the Denmark and Virginia or just they kind of got ahead of the game to, to get an emblem first? Well, we're still trying to research the Denmark Agriculture Organization. Uh, Dr. Gary Moore, Professor Emeritus from North Carolina State University, has a picture of the emblem, but I'm trying to make some connections to try to find out more about that organization. And that organization had a very simple emblem with an owl perched on the top of a spade. Now, obviously, going back a long time in the 1800s, they didn't look at the moldboard plow, but they actually had a hand spade. The owl was standing on the hand spade, perched on the top of the hand spade, had a rising sun there. It had an agricultural field in the background. If you look closely, it had a small town in the background with a spire from a church. It had crops. It had a cornucopia there. So, And then it had um, knowledge and wisdom there on the emblem. And then that organization, they looked at that when they created Future Farmers of Virginia, and the Future Farmers of Virginia actually changed the spade to a plow, all right? And then they had the rising sun, the field, the owl, and the plow there on the, the emblem of the Future Farmers of Virginia. And then finally led to the very beginnings of the FFA emblem. That's very good. You know, we're talking about nearly 100 years of history here that you've uh spent some time on. So as you look at uh, the, the initial evolution of the symbols to today, what are some things that have, might have gotten lost in translation as we've uh, um, kind of captured that hundred years of history? Well, obviously we, the ag teachers will probably teach what the symbols are, okay? Everyone knows the symbols of the ear of corn, the owl and the plow, but really what do those symbols mean? Why was the owl selected? Um, while the owl goes back thousands of years to Athena, um, the Greek goddess of um, knowledge and wisdom, and the plow has long been, plow or spade, has long been a symbol of labor and tillage of the soil, like is said in the FFA um, um, ceremonies. Uh, so we have that, we have the field. Um, now, the FFA emblem did add the ear of corn, which we didn't see in the other emblems. Um, it put everything on the background uh, of an ear of corn. Now, if you look at another agriculture organization like the New Farmers of America, New Farmers of America had very similar symbols, except it was on a bowl of cotton because that organization was primarily in the southeastern part of the United States. So that was why that emblem, that symbol of cotton was chosen for the New Farmers of America when FFA, they chose corn because corn had grown in all 50 states. So I think we've lost a little bit about the meaning behind those symbols that in the rising sun is also a uh, rising sun, a symbol of a new era um, in agriculture. In, in other areas of history, the rising sun has always been a symbol of new birth and a rising of a new day and that golden era into the future, what the new day brings. So while we teach about the, the symbols, we don't, I don't think we necessarily teach and look at the meaning behind them and how far back in history the meaning of those symbols goes. Yeah, and, and the other part that uh, you made me think of as I follow a little bit of this history that uh, you and Gary have been doing is some of the cultural challenges that we see with some of the symbols as well. And I think of the owl as an example when, that you guys have shared as well. So speak to a little bit about what we've learned and some of the challenges we've had within the organization when it comes to some cultural differences. 
Right, and, and you picked out the owl. Um, actually, some research was done a few years ago, and Dr. Moore picked up on this, is um, obviously FFA is trying to be a diverse organization and get students from all backgrounds. Well, if you look at, in the, mainly in the southwestern part of the United States, the Native American population there, and we do have a lot of great ag ed programs and FFA chapters on Native American reservations throughout the Southwest. In some cases, the owl has been a symbol of death. And sometimes the Native Americans don't necessarily really fully accept that symbol of the owl as wisdom, is they look at the symbol of an owl in their culture as a symbol of death. Now, we've never seen anywhere where they've really changed that because the FFA emblem is accepted as a complete emblem. But that is one of the challenges is when we're trying to expand our membership into all areas and all cultures, some people take that as a symbol of, well, it's not the best symbol to use. Uh, another thing has been picked, pointed out is obviously, we, I mentioned the New Farmers of America, and the New Farmers, they selected the bowl of cotton as the background instead of the ear of corn. Well, obviously with that, that's the culture of slavery in the southeastern part of the United States. But obviously there was that close connection between the African-American students in the Southeast and learning to be farmers, future farmers, or excuse me, new farmers of America. So because of that close connection, they did select the bowl of cotton as their background. And it's a very beautiful emblem. And it's, it's unique because the other symbols are the same. You still have the plow, the field, the rising sun, the eagle on the top, but you have the bowl of cotton uh, with the leaf and the stem at the bottom instead of just the cross-section of the year of corn. So when you look at those two organizations and you look at how we try to be open and inclusive of members, some of those symbols actually do have negative connotations for potential students. Yeah, I think that's a good, you know, a great conversation for us to have is how do we hang on to some of these traditions, these things that were in an organization for a really, really long time, but however, some of those considerations you just talked about may not have been in the forefront when those emblems were being designed or maybe in some cases emblem meanings change. And so it's important to think about how, 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 how much do we hang on to some of those things and how much do we change with, with culture? Yeah, and we, this research just looked at really the emblem and how that emblem came to be. But if you take a bigger picture and look at the whole history of the FFA, and over my course of my history of being a historical researcher, I've looked at other components of it. But really, the FFA is a very unique organization, and we're coming up closely on the 100th anniversary, um, is a lot of things in the FFA have changed significantly. Um, you know, we merged with the NFA in, in 1965, um, and then throughout the years, we've changed um, the name of the FFA is, it's still Future Farmers of America, but most places it's National FFA or the FFA organization. Uh, so we're kind of trying to change the name. Um, we've changed other things. We've added degrees. Uh, we've actually changed degrees and added the discovery degree. The programs and the competitive events have changed sig significantly since it was started in 1928. So in that case, FFA is a very progressive organization we're no longer vocational agriculture. We've been agricultural education since the late 1980s. So a lot of things have changed for the better because we've seen FFA membership skyrocket, but other things have been very traditional. And going back to the name is 
a lot years ago when I was high school ag teacher, a lot of people wanted to change the name to future farmers and agriculturalists. And there was a lot, big pushback from that, that no, we're still gonna be future farmers of America, even though we may only, account, may only call ourselves the National FFA Organization. So there's been resistance to change of the FFA name. Um, the creed, there was a very big battle and Dr. Moore's done research and I've done research on the history of the creed. Um, there was a whole new creed, a very progressive modern creed proposed and the delegates of the National Convention said, no, we are very traditional. We are gonna keep the creed that E.M. Tiffany wrote back in the 1930s. We may change a word here or there, but we're gonna keep that traditional FFA creed. And the same thing with jacket. Some people wanted to get rid of the jacket, get rid of the emblem. But in these instances, the FFA members and the delegates, uh, to me, they have a love of history and they don't wanna change significant things of the FFA. They'll allow other things to change to keep a modern vibrant organization but other things are very traditional that they're not open to changing so you know and, and with the emblem um there you've, you've identified several of those different components and we see those components in other parts of the organization as well like the owl being you know there's a lot of officer stations that are that are shown there and different pieces from there so talk, can you tell us a little bit which came first, the emblem or the officer station? Did, did they take the emblem apart or did they bring all those pieces together to make the emblem? Well, that's a very interesting question um, because obviously the FFA emblem came first. Uh, the FFA was only a few years old when they decided they had to have an emblem. The Future Farmers of Virginia, even though it was only in existence for two years, had its own emblem. Um, and then when Henry Grosskloss and the other leaders of the FFA created the FFA organization from New Farm or Future Farmers of Virginia, they created the emblem first. And again, if they looked at those other organizations and they put the emblem together. Now the emblem has changed too. In the very first decade or so of the FFA, the FFA em emblem for local chapters and state associations did not include the owl. The owl was only for national activities. So if you go back and find a, a um, state degree pin, and I actually have a couple of them right here, is you'll find state degree pins without the owl on top. Now, after a few years into the 30s, they said, this is too confusing. We want one FFA emblem, and the FFA emblem will have the eagle on it all the time. And they started to differentiate by using gold, silver, and bronze instead of an emblem with the owl, or excuse me, with the eagle, for national without the eagle for state and local. So the FA emblem did change. Now into the 30s, they did uh, make it uh, permanent as we know now, minor changes with the wording, things after that. So the emblem came first. And then as we had the officers, they started to look at, well, what officer symbols do we need? Um, the president was pretty easy with the rising sun, the leader, the future and everything. Um, the, the plow with the, with the vice president, um, the ear of corn because it's national in all 50 states, the, the secretary, uh, but other parts of the emblem don't relate to an officer. The eagle really doesn't relate to an officer. The flag, you can look at the shield on the emblem as the flag that relates to the reporter. Now, obviously, there's no hand clasp for the sentinel, and we've recently um, published a Friday footnote for Dr. Moore on looking at the officers and some um, non-constitutional officers. That's one officer that wasn't, didn't even exist when the FFA started. They added the Sentinel later. 
They then made it a – actually, they added watchdog first and then changed it to sentinel, and they made the symbol the hand clasp. Um, so the emblem came first, and then they started to look at, well, what symbols can we use for the FFA officers during the ceremonies? Jim, as we talk about these things, and you and I were talking before, some of us really enjoy the history part and knowing that, knowing these kind of things. But but as you talk to the the ag teachers that are listening to this, what what do you hope they get out of this, and what should they be doing regarding the history of FFA and the emblem and these kind of things? How, how should they be including that in their their high school middle school programs? Right, and again, some people love history. I consider myself a historian. Um, I have old FFA uh, Future Farmer magazines and Ag Ed magazines, and I will just sit and look and read and go back. And it's amazing the history of our organization, agriculture education as a whole, and then FFA as a part of that. And, and FFA has tried to do a, a better job of having uh, information about the history and including the history of when girls joined the FFA, when we merged with New Farmers of America. Um, and there's a whole history. Now, again, I teach a whole graduate level course on the history of ag education. A high school ag teacher, you're gonna cover it for a few days with your freshman class maybe, your ninth graders or junior high students. And again, I think as you look at the teaching the history of the FFA and look at the emblems, the parts of it, uh, you know, they didn't pull this organization out of thin air. Is the founders of the FFA in the 1920s, they really looked at what was going on in agriculture, not only in their states, but across the country and even around the world, and they looked at other agriculture organizations. They picked symbols that related to strong things related to agriculture. You know, wisdom, knowledge, okay, gaining uh, education, labor. We can't do anything without labor. Knowledge and wisdom, labor, and tillage of the soil, um, and then the different types of agriculture, whether it's cotton or, or corn. Uh, they looked at all of that, the national symbol of the, the um, eagle on the top. So I think teaching about the history of those symbols will add to that, that, well, this is a very great organization that's coming upon 100 years, and it's changed throughout those 100 years, but a lot of things are similar. And I, I hope ag teachers get that even the history of their chapter is important, is I'm not sure some chapters have done a better job than others, but have their students look at the history of their chapter, is where they're were their parents in it? Were their fathers in it? Uh, were their grandfathers in it? Look at it, the history of that chapter within that community, the, the things that chapter did throughout the community. And you can take the th same look at the state. Obviously, the states are different too, and how important the FFAs have been to states, not just local communities, but the whole state. So instead of just breezing over, well, it's, here's a rising sun, here's a plow, here's an owl, but what those symbols mean in the big picture of the history of agriculture. I think that's important for ag teachers to convey to their students. One of the things I'm curious about, Jim, based upon kind of your expertise and the, the extent to which you've studied this is, how do we as a profession and ag teachers kind of um, value and appreciate and share the rich tradition and history of ag education and FFA and the symbols, yet, continue to be progressive. We've talked about um, being, uh, trying to attract a diverse uh, group of uh, students to uh, ag education and FFA and, and uh, all of those things. So how do we be contemporary? How do we be progressive while yet um, embracing the history and tradition that FFA has? 
Well, again, I, I love history. Not everyone loves history, but it's important with any organization you work with, just like our universities, we look at the history of that organization. Where did it start? Why was it started? And look at the history over um, the decades. But obviously, any organization that's going to survive and thrive has to be progressive. It has to change. If it doesn't change, it becomes stagnant. Um, I was a high school ag teacher in the 80s. It was probably one of the lowest points. The farm economy was bad. Um, farmers were going bankrupt. Um, and we had about 350,000 FFA members at that time. And the trend had been down since the 50s. Well, late 1980s, and we can look at the history here, is FFA started to make a lot of changes. There was national study done. They started to change the curriculum. Um, we changed from vocational as to the skills for a career to agriculture education, re really the skills that make students a whole person. We really started to emphasize leadership more, the importance of leadership, the importance of communications. And from the late 1980s, you've seen a lot of changes in the programs and even the competitive events. You know, we went from contests, we don't use the term contests anymore. We went to career development events and now we've added leadership development events. And we have students now, our membership has turned around. So we've seen, um, while we're honoring the history of the FFA, we're also changing to be a vibrant organization. And you've seen membership from a low, when I was teaching in the 1980s of 350,000 or so, to now 660,000, you know, double the membership almost. And FFA members, they're getting the benefits of FFA. They may not have a career in agriculture, they may go into some other area of business or any career, but they're gonna have that appreciation for the importance of agriculture, and hopefully they'll have a little um, appreciation for the long history of the FFA and how it made a difference in their lives, even though they may not work in agriculture, they're gonna have appreciation for the leadership, the communication, the skills, and then the history of this organization over the last 100 years or so. I think one of the interesting things when you start getting into history is not only seeing the things that have stayed the same, but as you were talking about earlier, seeing the things that have changed. Because we, we always joke that with ag teachers, whenever if we ever do anything twice, then it becomes tradition. <laughs> and uh, but you know, you go back and some of these things that you know, I've even thought were like the diehard since day one FFA traditions. You see a lot of these things were just developed in the last maybe 20, 30 years for 40 or 50 years, that sort of thing that, that really weren't part of that really did change. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's important for all of us to remember some of those things that we think are kind of those sacred calves that we don't want to talk about, you know, th those that went before us looked at some of those things. And so it's important to, to talk about those traditions as well. So yeah. And because FFA is so big and we have chapters in every state and hundreds of chapters, thousands of chapters all over the country is a lot of those chapters have their own traditions, just like you talked about. Um, and we've looked at the tradition of the FFA sweetheart. Um, I've looked at officers now, the tradition and uh, how local chapters and states use the chaplain office um, or the historian office actually. So yeah, even local chapters have their own traditions that can go back a long ways. And sometimes I think that history is lost unless someone at the local level writes it down somewhere and records it. And actually I've seen a lot of chapters starting on their own websites having a page of the history of that organization. Now it might just be relatively short, but I think it's important that if local chapters, I would encourage them to um, elect a historian 
and you know, collect those um, scrapbooks over the years, develop a website, uh, um, collect the history of the officers, the um, degree recipients, the CDE teams, the winning teams, and keep a record of that because people care about that. And, you know, when their parents look back, you know, they might have been in FFA, just seeing the students that participated in the organization years prior is very, very important. And I think local chapters should keep a good history of their local organization. Yeah. I have to put a plug in real quick, and I know we're uh, running out of time and we could spend all kinds of time talking about all of this, but uh, Jim does guest write for the uh, Friday uh, footnotes from time to time that Gary Moore leads. So uh, if you have an interest in kind of history and various perspectives and you don't get a chance to read the emails, I know at the uh, NAAE Communities of Practice as well as the AAAE website, all of those Friday footnotes and a, a history of our organization and the ag ed profession is really there. So continue to check out Jim's work and Gary's work uh, um, related to the history in those areas as well. Uh, I'll add to that. Dr. Moore started that Friday footnote a few years ago. Every Friday, he will put out a short um, manuscript of a different topic on the history of ag ed or FFA or ag organizations. And I collect them, obviously. I've written a number of them and they take up about two uh, three-inch binders on my shelf, and I'm always pulling them out. I use them for my uh, graduate-level history class. There are a wealth of good information on different topics of the history of Ag Ed and FFA. Yeah, I think that's fantastic, and again, check those out. We'll have links to those sort of things and the resources that go along with this podcast, and you know, I, I think the big take-home here is as we, as teachers, when we're talking about the history, really be focusing on the, on the why even more than just the what as we're trying to do this and, and, and see those particular things. And I know as the job of the historian, sometimes the, the things that are happening now, you don't think they're important, but it's the yeah. stuff, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you wish, oh man, I wish we would have kept that. So, you know, trying to figure out what to keep and whatnot. And it's just a, a phenomenal conversation. And Jim, thank you so much for being with us here today. And thank you for your great work on this particular piece, but all the work that you're doing uh, helping us to get a better understanding of the history of school-based agricultural education in the FFA. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being with you. Thanks, Jim. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.